That's CQ. the wind outside. <laughs> if you're wondering about that, no, it hit some cracks in our windows. And, uh, mm. So try to just ignore it. Ezekiel 38. I'll read the whole chapter. The word of God came to me. Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords. Persia, Cush, and Put are among them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his hordes, Beth Togarama, from the uttermost parts of the north, with all his hordes, many peoples are with you. Be ready and keep ready, you and all your hosts that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. And after many days you will be mustered, in the latter years you will go against the land that is restored from war, the land whose people were gathered from many peoples upon the mountains of Israel, which have been a continual waste. Its people were brought out from the peoples and now dwell securely, all of them. You will advance, coming on them like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land and all your hordes, and many people with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day, thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme and say, I will go up against, go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, all of them dwelling without walls and having no bars or gates, to seize spoil and carry off plunder, to turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited. And the people who were gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell at the center of the earth, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all its leaders will say to you, have you come to see spoil? Have you assembled your host to carry off plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to seize great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, thus says the Lord God, in that day when my people Israel are dwelling securely, will you not know it? You will come from your place out of the uttermost parts of the north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great host, a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud covering the land. In the latter days I will bring you against my land that the nations may know me when through you, O God, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I spoke in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who in those days prophesied for years that I would bring you against them? But on that day, the day that God shall come against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, my wrath will be roused in my anger. For in my jealousy and in my blazing wrath, I declare, on that day there, will be, there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea 
and the birds of the heavens, and the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creep on the ground, and all the people who are on the face of the earth shall quake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down, and the cliffs shall fall, and every wall shall tumble to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain upon him and his hordes and the many peoples who were with him torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Heavenly Father, we bless through understanding this reading and our exposition of it today to speak to us, uh, to transform us from what we are to what we ought to be in Christ. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I know I said that uh, starting in chapter 36, there's a shift from uh, judgment to, to uh, a gracious promise for the people of God, uh, yet right in the middle of that is this episode of the enemy of God's people, God. And Gog's people, Magog, which we will look at tonight, uh, um, as, as well. There's the wind. <laughs> there are two separate things here. Set your face toward Gog, person, Gog, and the land of Magog. Um, who is the chief uh, prince also of two towns, Meshech and Tubal, that prophesy against him. It is, um, there, are, there are several historic probabilities of who God is. Uh, I, uh, I've been through them all, and so let me just give you a, a, a survey. I, I will tell you right up front, I do not think that Meshech and Tubal represent Moscow and Tobolus in the far north, even though they are the furthest north great cities. Um, one, they didn't exist in those terms in the day that Ezekiel wrote the Bible. But that is no doubt the popular thing that you will see at, in many places. Um, ancient, uh, the ancient historians uh, Herodotus and Josephus believe they were um, Assyrian, uh, they were part of the, Gog is, uh, was one of the Assyrian um, uh, commanders under the, who, who, who was uh, originated from what is mo modern Eastern Turkey, um, the Anatolians. And uh, that makes as much sense as anything historically. I don't think it's future. Um, uh, other than spiritually so, in Acts and Revelation chapter 20, it's clear that Gog and Magog appear uh, at the end of history. I think it's um, 
I think there is a historic fulfillment. Uh, many scholars think it's the uh, this ruler uh, from this area who uh, led the Greek army during the time of the Maccabees. That's a period of time we don't look at very much. But the Maccabees, uh, during the Maccabees um, period of uh, Israel's domination, Israel dominated the whole region. That's the period after uh, the return to the land and after the Greeks invaded. And you'll recall from the New Testament that the uh, Greek ruler Antichius Epiphanes um, controlled the land and even erected a statue of Zeus in the temple in which he proceeded to offer pig sacrifices. And uh, there was a great cleansing and a great revival of the Jewish people during that time. We get the uh, festival of Hanukkah comes from that time when God does a miracle of, of, of the lights. And uh, historic fulfillment, uh, I believe that is uh, the most possible and plausible understanding of this. One of the reasons I think it should be interpreted spiritually, especially in Revelation, is because of the weaponry. Some There are those who try to uh, um, visualize uh, a vast army of horsemen streaming from the north that is described here in, in detail uh, to conquer the land. And the weaponry is not the modern weaponry we see on display daily in our nightly news. Um, it's uh, helmets and bucklers and shields and swords on horseback. So that makes me tend to think that this is a historical fulfillment. So that's, uh, that's the uh, encyclopedia knowledge that I convey to you <laughs> about uh, who who historically Gog uh, and the people of Magog may be in these uh, capitals from which they came to participate in an invasion of Israel. I do believe they, they have a historical fulfillment. Uh, there are several strong possibilities, but I think beyond that, and what I want to focus on in this message this morning is their spiritual import. And their spiritual import is this, that there will always be opposition to the people of God. There will always be those who hate God's people and who are the enemy of God's people until the Lord Jesus returns and, and uh, ends it all which is the message of Revelation chapter 20 in particular, these enemies will be finally conquered. One other possibility is that, that someone has mentioned is that this could be a code name for Babylon itself. Maybe this is Babylon itself. Because Babylon, all the surrounding nations and all the enemies surrounding it have been named specifically, and, uh, and yet Babylon is not. I kind of think it's not, because I think it would have been more explicit if that was the case, but that is uh, a possibility as well. The way we should apply this spiritually is this. Gog is the personification of the person 
who hates Christ's church. Magog are his minions who spiritually attack God's people. And the spiritual application is this, that Satan and his minions are always at war with the people of God. Some of you know my favorite Methodist preacher was Calvinistic Methodist by the name of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a medical doctor who became a minister. And he said this about warfare in the Bible. He said warfare is a metaphor of the church. The warfare is a metaphor of the Christian life because we will always be at war against the enemies of our soul and the enemies of God's people. And our weapons are not carnal weapons, but our weapons are spiritual weapons. We have that famous passage in Ephesians 6 that tells us uh, in the analogy of the old Roman weaponry how we are to engage in spiritual conflict. And so I believe that is the way uh, we should read and apply all the Bible, not just these uh, passages um, uh, like this that gather so much attention. <coughs> I have never seen in this country, our culture, such a warfare against the gospel and the truth and the principles applied to our life. I am stunned that our House of Representatives, our last House of Representatives, legalized the murder of infants born alive. I, 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 um, as bad as legalized abortion is, which is a legalized murder, this is taking it to a, le a level that is hard to imagine and hard to believe. It's hard for me to imagine that homosexual behavior is not only accepted and but now it's encoded in our laws. What Those things that are called abominations to God in his word are now uh, special rights and special privileges. We live in a culture in which it is not, these are not shameful acts. These are badges of honor to be worn with the name that is applied to them, pride. Um, every and, 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 and to speak against it in our country our country which still has the most freedom of any country on earth is to invite scorn and ridicule and wrath every day if you pay attention and I hope you pay attention to the world beyond our borders our brothers and sisters in Christ in the nations of the world face the most fierce persecution that has ever existed. 
Oh yes, they were martyrs in the New Testament and Acts and, and the epistles and Paul faced and, and all the apostles, including the apostle Paul, uh, uh, with the exception of, of John. And, but even John, the apostle, was boiled in oil alive, uh, miraculously preserved uh, his life so that he could take care of Jesus' mother until she passed. But every day our brothers and sisters in China face a knock on the door for imprisonment. If a, if a, if a word goes out that our, one of our brothers and sisters in North Korea is in possession of even a tiny piece of the scripture, they are marched out to be executed immediately. Our, our brothers and sisters in sub-Saharan Africa risk their life every Sunday to gather and worship where there are marauding bands who will come and machine gun their churches. And we could go on and on, not just just from the from the from the uh, Muslim hatred of Christians. We could we could talk about the religious hatred of believers in many parts of the world where to go against the, the, the caste system, for example, in India. Our brothers and sisters in India face incredible persecution and sometimes mob, uh, mob to death as well. This, we're, we are somewhat surprised by this in our country because we've had such freedom and now, and we feel a little bit of it that we, uh, we, we get really defensive, but we shouldn't. This, this, this passage tells us that just as surely as the surrounding nations and particularly this nation of God and his people Magog hated Israel or Judah and the people of God. They will hate us. That's what Jesus told us. They're going to. They're not going to love you and appreciate you and pat you on the back and give you a medal. They're going to hate you because they hated me. And this is how God has chosen to glorify Himself. To take this humble, meek people who are committed to two things. Every believer should be committed to two things. Loving God and loving other people. With the same unconditional, gracious love that he loved us. Government evil, cultural evil, whatever evil that comes... The familial evil that comes up through generations of, of sin and families, however you want to describe it, uh, will be ultimately defeated by the gospel. That's the message here. The good news that God will overthrow evil and has done so through this person of his son, Jesus, on the cross. The atoning death of Jesus, him giving his blood for ours, is the only thing that can save us. So in a world 
that is awash with bodies. I'm, I'm, I'm just constantly taken aback. of the violence of our world, the, the, the pornography, the addictive society we live in, gambling addictions. We, we, have, we have gambling everywhere. People are, are losing their livelihoods, searching for something that only God can provide. Substance abuse is rampant. People are killing themselves with it. The, the perversion, the sexual perversions that is presenting itself, that wants to present itself to our children in storybook hours. It's just, it's just incredible. Children being groomed. The message here is that God will prevail over all of these enemies. He, those who are, are the, the hooks, he, he, he describes uh, how they're going to come and they're going to put hooks in the jaws of God's people and he's going to drag them away. That's, that's what is happening spiritually all around us. People are getting hooked in the jaw with all of this filth and all this perversion and they are being drugged into uh, captivity into spiritual bondage. We see it in the, in the tactics uh, of, of the enemy. But notice, notice the tactics in verses 10 through 13. Go, go to a, they go to a peaceful people. Go, go, to, uh, go, go up against the land of unwalled villages and fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely. All of them dwelling without laws and having no bars and gates. To see spoil and carry off plunder. To turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited. And the people of the gathered from the nations who acquired livestock and goods. Who dwell at the center of the earth. He questions them. You've come to seize your spoil. The picture is of a people who weren't prepared. Who weren't thinking that this could happen. And, I, and uh, I think that's the church in the United States, the Bible-believing church in the United States. No one, no one was prepared. No one thought this could happen. What is happening? The truth is the sovereign God of the universe rules and is overruling all of this wickedness. The truth is that there are wicked, evil, Minions that are seeking to destroy God and his people. Who want to dominate and control our lives. That's true. And why? Because they hate God and they hate his people. So what is our posture in the midst of this onslaught? Our posture should be 
percent of um, Jesus is on the throne because we are in Christ. <clears throat> Posture should be Psalm two. We're going to sing that at the end of the service. I just like to turn to Psalm two. This, this is. It's, it's God, it's, did this sneak up on God? It, it snuck up on us. We weren't ready. We were like the people of Israel. We are happy and dwelling in our houses, building our lives, taking care of things. And all of a sudden, in our, in our Bible Belt culture, there's this rage and there's this hatred for the gospel of Jesus, the blood atonement that only he can give. So, so why do they rage and the people's plot in vain? It doesn't really uh, answer that question other than make it, because it's a rhetorical question. They do. They just are raging. It's, it's the most foolish thing in the world to rage against God, and yet the wicked do. And to rage against his people because they are his beloved. The kings of the earth and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. And that's Jesus. <clears throat> that word is Messiah. And that's Jesus. Let us, they say, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Oh, it sounds terrible. Well, look at verse 4. He who sits in the heaven laughs. He laughs. He holds them in derision. And he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury because he's installed his king and Zion on his holy hill. The message here from Ezekiel to Gog and Magog and the people of Israel who are facing this onslaught some point in their future, whether they're near future or their distant future, uh, I'm going to let you study the Bible and figure that out. <laughs> but I think there's a present application that we need to be concerned about. And that message is to each one of us that God is in charge, Jesus is on the throne, and Satan will not conquer ultimately. He may for a short time have dominion. He, maybe he's had dominion in your life for, for a time. Maybe it's come down through your family from generations. Maybe, may, maybe it's some, uh, uh, some, some, something uh, inside of you that just came out of nowhere. You think it came out of nowhere. Someone told me that recently. I said, well, it didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of your sinful heart. Your, your, your heart uninformed by the Holy Spirit of God. But it will not be victorious in the child of God and the church of Jesus. His people will triumph. And that's the last point. God vindicates his name and he vindicates his people. God's name will be glorified. 
Son of man, prophesy and say to God, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel are dwelling securely, will you not know it? You will know it because God will glorify himself by taking Gog and Magog and the ultimate evil that they represent in, in the, 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 last, the second to the last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 20 is at the second to the last. Verses 13 last. Yep. 20. Verse 20. He will no longer deceive the nations that are on the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle, the numbers like the sand of the sea. <clears throat> and they're going to be destroyed. They're going to, they're going, those who marched over that plane, whether it's a spiritual plane or an actual plane, their end is the same. It's not something we cower and are afraid of. The devil and those who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever. God's name will be glorified in the overthrow of evil. Understand the Bible and understand the evil in your own heart and to understand the evil in the world and all the things that happen that are bad you need to understand this first and foremost that God is sovereign over all of it you need to understand that God doesn't exist for you God exists for himself and you exist for him that's why he made you, to glorify himself. And you might be tempted with, with the thought, well, who does he think he is? God? Yeah. That's exactly who he is, God. He is God and there is no other. Who doesn't like a great story of, of vengeance, right? Who doesn't like a good story where the bad guy is brought to justice? Who doesn't like the, the fairy tale ending where the prince slays the dragon and they live happily ever after? That, that's a story that resonates deeply and it's told over and over again in so many ways. And uh, I remember in the in the 60s and 70s it became popular for a while to make it make sad endings and those movies were were awful nobody wanted to go see them because they depressed them but there's a reason for that but for God and his people the Lord Jesus will conquer the person that personifies evil here is God and his people Magog and the story is that they will be destroyed and overthrown there, we'll, we'll visit this again tonight in chapter 39 and there will be fires for years burning their weaponry and destroy and and, and uh, the, the extent of their destruction is the uttermost and we as the people of God get to participate 
in that. That's a, that's a that's a great mystery. But the Apostle Paul in Romans 16 says, as this strange benediction, the God of all peace will soon crush the head of Satan under his feet. He makes feet peace by crushing Satan under the feet of his people, under the feet of the Lord Jesus. And we somehow get to line up behind Jesus and kick the devil in the head. You get to be a part of that story. That is the glorious good news of the gospel. And it's not just some made-up Hollywood revenge. It's true vengeance. And it's true justice. Not the wicked vengeance that we see all so often portrayed. Yes, there's an anti-God confederacy and conspiracy in the world. I, I, uh, people have come to me over 40 years of ministry and they told me about, tell me about this conspiracy and that conspiracy. And I, I always tell them I believe it. I do. And Satan is behind it all. But I know the one that controls it and is going to overthrow it and is going to magnify his name and destroy all evil. And if you are a child of God, you have nothing to fear in this world. Not even when it seems that the, that the ground is open beneath your feet and your world has collapsed. Not even then do you need to fear. We are, we are, we are assaulted at every side and, and everywhere we turn. <clears throat> Temptations that, that want to turn our hearts and minds away from Christ and, and, and His righteousness. Don't be deceived. <clears throat> because at the end of it all, Jesus reigns and his people are victorious. Keep your focus and your mind and your heart upon the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let us pray. Father, thank you for our anointed Lord Jesus who has defeated death and, 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 and hell and Satan. Yet, Father, there, there is this continuing conflict with evil that, that the word of God tells us will continue until the return of Christ and we, we long for that day but in the meantime prepare us for battle Father we confess that so often we've, we've left our armor aside and we've not picked it up we've not, we've not had the shield of faith we've not had the, the sword of the word of God we've not had the, the righteousness of Christ in our minds and hearts at all times to protect us and too often we get swept away and Father it could be that there are, there, there are those here who've never truly understood uh, the forgiveness of sins and the restoration uh, to life uh, from the dead that only comes through what Jesus did on the cross 
Father, if there is anyone in that condition, may you show them how much you love them with a love everlasting through what Jesus did. And Father, as we turn from your word to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, help us to do the hard work that we need to do. Because what we're really doing when we partake of this simple piece of bread and this cup is we are declaring again and anew that we need Jesus and we need his strength to walk in his ways. And we thank you for this opportunity. And we pray in Jesus' name that uh, we will honor you and glorify you through it. Amen. Amen. Yeah.